Good evening, my friends, and welcome back to 62 Horror Movies with Josh Hitchens. That's me, where I'll be your host for a creepy double feature every night throughout the month of October. Come join me, won't you? My friends, it is October 18th, and if you're listening to 62 Horror Movies in real time, you'll notice that I have fallen a bit behind, but I'm going to catch back up, I promise. So, uh, even though I'm a day late, uh, this is the podcast episode for October 18th, and tonight is Frightful Fairy Tales Night on 62 Horror Movies. We are going to be first watching Suspiria, directed by Dario Argento, released in 1977, followed by The Company of Wolves from 1984 and directed by Neil Jordan, two of my very favorite movies. So Suspiria... Uh, is directed by legendary Italian horror director Dario Argento, uh, and it's probably his most famous movie, certainly his most widely seen movie, and for good reason, because in Suspiria he creates imagery that is really unforgettable. Um, the movie's famous for really its technical achievement, chiefly its lighting design, because he uses these bright, saturated colors, these reds, these greens, these blues. Uh, and it was filmed actually in Technicolor, because Dario Argento really wanted to make a modern horror version of Snow White, sort of remake Disney's Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs as a horror movie. So he wanted that sort of bright, saturated, technicolor look for it. And he actually, uh, to film Suspiria, used the very last technicolor film camera that existed in Italy at the time. Uh, and really, really paid off because it has visuals that are both stunningly beautiful and also really horrific. Um, very, very, very bloody. But it's not a realistic kind of gore or blood. It's all very stylized. Um, it, it, it's, there's really nothing like Suspiria. Uh, and Suspiria also boasts one of the great horror movie soundtracks um, that was uh, composed and performed by the band Goblin. And I'm just going to put a little bit of that on while I talk. So these are the, this is the opening theme of Suspiria by Goblin, uh, and really does such a great job of setting this movie up, and the Suspiria begins with a bang, sort of in this uh, insane 
dark rainstorm uh, that the main character, the American Susie Banyan, experiences as she arrives at the airport and travels to the ballet dance academy uh, that she is going uh, that she's going to be a student at, where she finds out that there may be um, par there may be witchcraft and black magic happening at this academy. And she turns out to be right. Spoiler alert. But uh, it's such a great creepy score and really matches the insanity of the visuals that Dario Gento does in Suspiria. So uh, this movie was inspired by an essay by Thomas De Quincey called Suspiria de Profundis. Uh, and it, it's really about the concept of three mothers, um, which are sort of these three evil forces in different cities throughout the world. Just like there are three fates, there are three graces, and then there are these three mothers of sorrow. Um, there's Mother Lacrimarum, the Lady of Tears, uh, Mother Tenembarum, the Lady of Darkness, and Mother Suspiriorum, the Lady of Sighs. And Suspiria is about that dark mother. Uh, Dario Argento eventually went on to make two other movies in his trilogy, uh, Inferno and then uh, The Mother of Tears. But uh, Dario Argento did not create Suspiria alone. Uh, this was also... The screenplay was co-written by a woman named Daria Nicolodi. And uh, Daria Nicolodi had a sort of personal stake in this story. For one thing, the final sequence that ends this film, where things really go batshit crazy, was based on a nightmare um, that she had once. And the main concept of Suspiria uh, actually came from something that uh, Daria Nicolodi's grandmother had experienced. Uh, her grandmother, uh, when she was a young girl, uh, went to this music, private music academy to learn piano, and her grandmother believed that the people running the academy were actually witches and that there was dark magic going on. Um, so those things made it into the, the screenplay. And... Another thing that interested both Nicolodi and Argento were was the idea of the fairy tale, you know, both Snow White, but also uh, Alice in Wonderland as well, where you have this main character who enters another mysterious world. And originally, the screenplay was written for the characters to all be young children, like eight, like eight to ten-year-old children. Um, but because a lot of the characters in this movie meet really horrific deaths, the producers of Suspiria were a bit nervous about that, um, about, you know, having a movie that was killing little innocent-looking little children. Uh, so the movie was cast with the characters instead being... Young, young adults, uh, either teenagers or in their early 20s. It's not, it's not quite clear, but they're, they're older. They're not kids. They're young adults. Um, 
But one of the things that makes Suspiria interesting and kind of unsettling in a way is that Argento and Nicolodi did not update the dialogue of the move, movie, really, which is why these young adult characters kind of speak and behave in very childlike ways um, in some senses. And one thing that was kept to sort of add to the weirdness and as a nod to the original concept of the characters being children, uh, you'll notice that the doors uh, in this uh, ballet academy, uh, where there may be a coven perhaps, uh, the doorknobs are much higher up on the door than they'd normally be, um, so that the characters sort of have to reach up to get to the doorknob, like you would have if you were a child. Um, so I think that's a really interesting and sort of creepy weird, another creepy weird detail about Suspiria. Uh, Jessica Harper plays the lead role of Susie Banyan, um, the sole American uh, who comes to this academy and uh, is sort of the eyes that we see uh, the story of Suspiria through. Um, another very notable person in the cast of Suspiria is Joan Bennett. Uh, Joan Bennett, of course, was, uh, she was British. Uh, she was a big Hollywood star during the 1930s and 1940s, um, was in a lot of high-profile movies, was one of, like, the in the final, like, three or four choices to play the role of Scarlett O'Hara in Gone with the Wind in 1939 before Vivian Lee was cast in the part. Joan Bennett was was high in the running uh, for Scarlett O'Hara, which was, everyone wanted to play that part. Um, Joan Bennett, of course, for all horror fans, is also famous for playing the role of Elizabeth Collins Stoddard in Dark Shadows, the gothic soap opera that aired on ABC TV from 1966 to 1971, uh, and which also spawned the feature-length movies House of Dark Shadows and Night of Dark Shadows. Joan Bennett reprises her role as Elizabeth Collins Stoddard in the movie House of Dark Shadows, released in 1970. Um, and Dark Shadows kind of made Joan Bennett famous again. Uh, she said the, in an interview at the height of the fame of Dark Shadows uh, and the craze that it engendered um, that she felt positively like a beetle, um, which is a really delightful thing. And Suspiria in 1977 actually ended up being Joan Bennett's final film. And I think there's something really lovely about that, that, you know, uh, la that later on in her, in her career, um, she became known again, both for Dark Shadows and then finally as the role of Madame Blanc in Suspiria in 1977. Um, Joan Bennett actually lived until 1990, um, but Suspiria 1977 was her final film, and it's a great final role for her to play. Um, God bless Joan Bennett. Um, 
So Suspiria is a movie that, as I said, is very much influenced by fairy tales and that kind of dark imagery and is famous for its elaborate death scenes, murder scenes, um, like a room filled with barbed wire and ridiculous stuff like that. And the set is just this extraordinarily gothic building with these crazy colored windows. Um, one thing that Suspiria is not very strong on is a plot. Uh, there is a story that's going on, but it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense, and you don't become too invested in it. Uh, at least I don't. Uh, but I think that Suspiria is one of those rare movies where the, I, where the fact that the plot does not really make much logical sense um, and that the characters are not really developed apart from the main character of Susie. It doesn't matter. It does not matter at all. Um, the plot and story of Suspiria kind of exists to get from epic, crazy, gory, creepy set piece to epic, crazy, gory set piece, you know, and these incredible images that Dario Argento is putting on screen, and that is just fine. Um more than fine. Uh, I think Suspiria is actually a better movie for that because it really does take on the quality of a nightmare. You know, you really do feel like you're right there with Susie experiencing all these crazy, crazy things until you come out at the end. It's a really unforgettable movie. Um, if you've never seen Suspiria, highly recommend you watch it. Um, it's got images that whose horrible beauty will stick with you forever and you'll never be able to get out of your head. And if you have seen Suspiria before, October is a perfect time to watch it again. So enjoy Suspiria and we'll come back for our second frightful fairy tale feature of the night. And this is part of the music, the wonderfully creepy and atmospheric, um, and puts you right in the, in the time period of the film, uh, music by George Fenton for The Company of Wolves, which was released in 1984, written by Angela Carter and directed by Neil Jordan, uh, who is most famous to horror fans for directing the excellent Interview with a Vampire in 1994, ten years after this movie. The Company of Wolves is a movie that not a lot of people have seen, and I, I really think that's a shame, because I think it is... It's one of my favorite horror movies ever made, period. And it is my favorite werewolf movie ever made. You know, um, everyone says American Were An American Werewolf in London is the best werewolf movie. It has the best werewolf transformation scene in the history of horror cinema. And yes, it is very good. 
that is a very, very good movie. But I think the werewolf transformation in The Company of Wolves is even better. Uh, and you have those werewolf special effects, uh, prosthetic makeups, and mechanical designs, all created by Christopher Tucker, who's legendary makeup artist. Um, also um, did the makeup for... David Lynch's The Elephant Man, uh, 1980, starring John Hurt as John Merrick. Um, and it was actually because of Christopher Tucker's work on The Elephant Man that a year later, the Academy Award for Best Makeup was created. It did not exist at the time, and people were outraged because Christopher Tucker's work in The Elephant Man on that makeup was so phenomenal. And he's the reason why they're is a best makeup category in the Oscars, and he did the werewolves for The Company of Wolves. The Company of Wolves is a movie that has a screenplay written by Angela Carter that is adapted from her book, The Bloody Chamber, which I highly recommend you seek out and read if you have never read it. If you're at all interested in fairy tales, um, in horror, uh, it, it's a must-read. I think it's one of the best books of short stories ever. Um, Angela Carter's The Bloody Chamber was a, is a book that is filled with her own short story recreations of famous fairy tales and myths, um, several of which feature the idea of the werewolf, uh, including the story The Company of Wolves, um, from which this film takes its title. Uh, and all the stories in the Bloody Chamber really see and reinvent, see these fairy tales and reinvent them through a feminist lens. Um, and that's a deeply important factor in the movie version of The Company of Wolves because it is also, I think, one of the best uses of like the psychology of dreams and dream symbolism that I've ever seen in a film where it's so explicitly put out there. You know, the story begins in the in the modern day where there's a young girl, sort of preteen girl named uh, Rosaline who's um, sleeping and she's her older sister is yelling at her through the locked door because Rosaline's stolen her lipstick again. And uh, Rosaline, this young girl, is wearing the lipstick as she's dreaming. And she dreams that her older sister is in the woods and is attacked and killed by wolves. And then we're all of us, then we're taken back to a sort of like seven, maybe 17th century or thereabouts. English village um, where Rosaline and her father and mother are in that time period and the older sister has in fact just been killed by a wolf um, and the mom is obviously in deep grief so the father suggests to to Rosaline why don't you go stay with your granny for the night your granny's house in the woods and blessed be the grandmother in The Company of Wolves is played by Angela Lansbury. Um, Angela Lansbury actually played the grandmother in this movie uh, the same year that she began working 
on Murder, She Wrote. Um, Company of Wolves was released in 1984. Murder, She Wrote also began in 1984, um, which which Angela Lansbury starred in for 12 seasons. And Angela Lansbury is so great as the grandmother. Uh, She's playing a character much older than she actually was at the time she made this movie. But she just is that perfect, you know... Middle, a- middle Ages, old village grandmother, um, full of wisdom and stories. And storytelling is at the core of the company of wolves. And it starts by the grandmother telling Rosaline a story as she knits a red cloak, hooded cloak for her, like Red Riding Hood, obviously. Um, And it's a story of werewolves. And Granny tells Rosaline several werewolf stories um, that are very, very different in tone. Uh, But then something exciting happens in that Rosaline starts becoming the storyteller herself. She starts telling her own stories to her mother um, and then to some other people. I won't spoil it by saying who. Uh, So this is a movie that is about stories within stories within stories um in a way that's really delightful and it's also about the pat like the passage from childhood into adolescence into young adulthood as you're especially as a young girl when you're you know starting to menstruate when you are when you're starting to go through puberty and like sexuality is starting to come into play and in the company of wolves both the stories reflect that and also uh the fairy tale image like in sort of dream symbol imagery that's throughout this film um this was a very 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 low budget film Uh, Neil Jordan, who directed it, said that they had so little money, they basically had to create a giant magic enchanted dark forest out of literally 12 trees. Uh, And you wouldn't know that from watching the film because it creates such a vivid world, like with this little tiny, tiny village um, where everything's around the sort of town circle with a well and... You know, these tiny cottages with their thatched roofs and the church with these old gravestones and spiders and spider webs. Um, It just looks like such an incredible movie Um, and was very, very, very low budget. Um, So Angela Carter wrote the screenplay for this. Uh, She had adapted The Company of Wolves, her short story from The Bloody Chamber, as a radio play prior to this and then uh, worked with Neil Jordan on developing the screenplay and Angela Carter who was a brilliant writer really enjoyed the process of making a film out of her work and she loved working with Neil Jordan and the two of them often talked about doing another project together and eventually it was decided that Angela Carter would write and Neil Jordan would direct um, a film version of 
Angela Carter's radio play Vampirella, which was based on another story from the Bloody Chamber called The Lady of the House of Love, which is about this sort of countess vampire character um, during the time of World War One. Sadly, though, that film was never made um, because Angela Carter um, got cancer and died of it um, way too young. Angela Carter's a brilliant writer. Um, seek out her work if you've never read it, starting with The Bloody Chamber and then continue on. But it's great that we have The Company of Wolves uh, as, a fi as a film to remem remember her by, where you really got to see her unique and very feminist vision of horror and these... Ownership of these old fairy tales, making them her own and having a lot to say with them. It's just, it is a terrific movie. Um, and it just has these, gr like I said, it has great werewolf transformation scenes. It has great stories to tell. Um, uh, there's one one story that uh, has the devil in it who arrives in this, you know, medieval village forest uh in like an a 20th century black car which is a fun detail and the devil in the company of wolves was originally supposed to be played by andy warhol which would have been fascinating um it's a sh it's a shame that that did not happen uh but uh terrence stamp uh does a great job play playing the devil um I, I can't recommend The Company of Wolves highly enough. Almost no one I know has ever seen it. And if, if, if you've never seen it, you are really in for a treat. Um, it is my favorite werewolf movie, and it is a perfect movie to watch this time of year, in the fall, in the month of October, for Halloween. So... Enjoy the company of wolves, and then we'll cont and then we'll come back and we'll close for the night. My friends, thank you for joining me once again for sixty-two horror movies with or er, with Josh Hitchens. That's me. Tomorrow night, October 19th, we are going to have a double feature I'm sure you've been hoping we would do. We are going to be watching Halloween from 1978, directed by John Carpenter. And then we are going to watch its first sequel, Halloween 2, made in 1981. Let's bring on the Michael Myers, folks. Until tomorrow night, happy Halloween.